Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns, your true crime paranormal podcast with me, Blake Lambert Hack. Tonight I am joined by an incredible playwright, Anderson Hines. Hey Blake, thank you for um, bringing me on. I'm so excited to do this. <laughs> thank you for joining me. I like to ask us up front, how would you describe a ghost? Well, I feel like there's the like the scary definition, but I've been thinking about this today, yeah. thinking about what we're going to talk about, and I was like, I feel like when I felt ghostly presences in my life, mm-hmm. it's always actually been kind of like a comforting oh, yeah, yeah, feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the ghosts that I've felt or I've like experienced have been like um, auras or kind of like hi- histories within like the walls of a place and okay. like just yeah I feel like I've felt like hi- especially in, like in New York apartments or in buildings or in um, like older homes from where I was born like you feel the presence of yeah. those that have been there in the past and I've always felt comforted by it yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. no it's easy in large cities like New York City to they're old ass buildings. Every building yeah. you walk into yeah. has like some shit that's gone down. Yeah. Whether it was 10 years ago or a hundred plus years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. All the ghost experience I've had have always been either like playful or comforting or yeah, not scary no. in any way. Yeah. Though I did have a dream last night and not, or a couple nights ago, but I have really intense like movie like dreams to the mm. point where I'll write them down because they're very mm. vivid and I don't know imaginative and I don't really necessarily remember every detail of the stream but I was wandering the desert somewhere there was some dilapidated castle behind me very I don't know where I was it was dusk and I just had a baby in my arm and I was mm. just like wandering the <laughs> desert with this baby okay <laughs> was, like, was the baby happening? doing well was it like it healthy it s- seemed to be healthy okay. it seemed to be fine and then as I'm like wandering the desert aimlessly the baby starts to make noises and stuff and so i like look down and it's like a demon baby like the (laughs) devil baby and it starts like stretching and moving in ways that i was not prepared for (laughs) at all and like crawling up my shoulder and i immediately woke up and Mm. i was like i have not been freaked out by a dream in years for a very long time, to the point where I had to put a Disney movie on, because I was like, <laughs> what is happening right now? Yeah. It was not for me. But, yeah, normally stuff like that does not bother me, and I Mm-mm. watch all kinds of horror and yeah, that kind of yeah. programming. But And, yeah, I feel like I was, as a kid, also, like, I, would, I like, liked scary movies, but yeah. I wasn't really, like, afraid of the ones <clears throat> that were about, like, The Sixth Sense or, like, right. the, like that, like... That didn't really freak me out. I was more afraid of, like, what actual just, like, normal, everyday human beings would do to each other. Right. Those kinds of movies about, like, yeah. you know, people killing their friends and, <laughs> exactly. like, serial killers that are just, yeah, that are, like, your neighbor. That was what has all has kind of, like, haunted me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the presence of, like, a supernatural or, like, an otherworldliness... Yeah, it's kind of comforting because I feel like a ghost would like me. I'm like, what? What? what I haven't done anything to them. <laughs> yeah, they're not trying to hurt me. Exactly. Yeah, I say that a lot about even when people are like scared of the devil or mm-hmm. Satan or whatever you think or believe. Uh, it's like his whole purpose is to drag people to hell if they're bad people. Mm-hmm. So if you're not a bad person, you literally have nothing to fear. Yeah, <laughs> like he's not this like. Yeah, he's not going to drag you down just for the shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. Like so. That too, yeah, doesn't really bother me. But 
we are talking about true crime tonight, so okay, <laughs> you're ready for so that. So I might be freaked It'll out. It'll be a little real, but that's <laughs> okay. Um, you believe in ghosts or no? I I think I do. Okay. I yeah, I think I do. Yeah. You haven't experienced anything specifically you would call a ghost, but I kind of feel like in college. The only actual, the only apartment in New York that I've lived in that I felt kind of spook, spooky about, yeah, was the, the apartment in Chinatown that I lived in during college. Okay, and there was like a, I had a brick wall in my bedroom. Yeah, and there was a sort of like square, in the bricks. Okay, and I get, it was really on the cusp of Chinatown in Little Italy. So I would okay. always say really kind of creepily to my roommate that that was like an old oven in the brick wall <laughs> and that a little girl died and their parents were like pizza makers and she died in this oven and this little girl named Charlotte was yeah. haunting our apartment. And it started as a joke, but then I feel like I kind of like summoned her. <laughs> it's not, and this is probably making me to sound like I don't believe in ghosts. Cause I'm like, yeah, I saw this girl that I made up, but I feel like my, and it got to the point that my roommate kind of, we kind of got in our, our heads about it, and yeah. he like had a friend Ricky the apartment because he was very like, oh, he some people really are really into that. Hated yeah. me talking about it. Yeah, he was so bothered by it. Yeah. So just yeah, Charlotte, this little girl. <laughs> I love Charlotte. Charlotte, yeah. that's a great story. Yeah. For people listening, we are sitting next to a brick wall, so it's a nice. Uh... Yes, there is. Yeah. And actually, this apartment, I I just it's on the first floor of this building. Um, and I've known there was a basement since I moved in, yeah, yeah. but actually right under us in my kitchen, which is, uh, wood floors is this rectangle that is another color of wood. Okay. And I'd always been like, Oh, I wonder what that is. Yeah, but yeah. I never thought about it. Right. And I found out literally like three weeks ago that it's stairs to the basement that they like just covered, covered up. up. And I'm like, had I known <laughs> that? <laughs> Having lived here for three years before, I yeah. might have felt in that because I'm yeah. like, oh shit, there's like just. So if you really like kicked hard enough or yeah. tried hard enough, you could get yeah. to the stairs. Or... But maybe that's less even ghosts and more just like it actually freaks me out that someone could be just like sitting on those well. stairs like directly. <laughs> in, yeah. Tonight, we are talking about a house in San Diego. Okay. Have you visited San Diego? I have been to San Diego just for like one day. <laughs> but I loved it. <laughs> I've never been to San Diego. Mm-hmm. LA is probably as south over yeah. there that I've been. but Not super far. You like San Diego? Yeah, it's super pretty. Okay. Super pretty. Um, that's yeah. really the, the, the main... There's like theaters there. Yeah. <laughs> that was why I just went. Just a couple theaters. Yeah. Um, no, but everyone says it's gorgeous. So pretty, it, yeah. I would love to go. Cool it's, architecture, I feel like. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, like, the area is very... And we'll talk a little bit in this story, but it, the natives in that area are very, like, not only Native Americans, but you do get a lot of, like, Latin influence and Mexican yeah. influence, which is really cool. So that definitely plays a part in the culture. But we're taking it back to January 5th, 1882, when 19-year-old Violet Whaley married a man named George T. Bertolucci in San Diego. 
She had a double wedding with her older sister. Oh, fun. <laughs> Would you ever get married with, like, a double wedding like that? I don't... Did the... Like, did Marsha and Jan get have a double wedding on Brady Bunch? Because I feel like there that was, like... really familiar, actually. I yeah. feel like there was one back in the day that I saw as a child, and I was like, that would be so fun. I'm doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was when I was, like, I'm marrying a girl. And I was, like, <laughs> my best friend in Marrying a what? A girl. Um. Um, no, I... Maybe. Yeah. No... My, <laughs> just an interesting like you don't you don't hear about it often no but for their honeymoon violet and george were traveling east uh i think to new york city though it's not very clear since that's where the whaley family is like originally from uh, new york city when in the middle of the night violet awoke to find her husband missing he was nowhere to be found so Violet went back to San Diego where she discovered that her husband was a con artist and only married Violet for her family's money. Mm. He went by several aliases. When all of this information was uncovered, the Victorian Society of San Diego shunned Violet for being unchaperoned on her way back from, you know, middle of nowhere to oh, San Diego. Oh, come on. That's not yes, fair. Exactly. Like it's her <laughs> fault that he ditched her. Violet was extremely humiliated, of course, by George's betrayal and abandonment. She never saw George again and fell into a deep depression. And in the following two years, Violet was so upset she rarely left her bedroom in her family's home in Old Town, San Diego. Well, I know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Violet, I get you, Violet. And is that, <laughs> that's January 2024. <laughs> True. <laughs> that feeling is not far off. Yeah, um, feelings have been changed. Not because I was betrayed by a con artist. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> There's plenty of them in New York uh, City. I so would be. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. I can name a few people that we both know that would be easily. (laughs) (laughs) On July 5th, 1885, Violet left her bedroom through her window because she lived in the back upstairs part of the house. And when she jumped out of her window, she fell into the family's cistern, which for those who don't know, it's like a well, Mm -hmm. like collect rainwater. But Violet was attempting to drown herself in the well of water Mm. because she was so depressed. However, also, okay, let's, she was 19 when she got married. Mm -hmm. So she's 21 at this point and it's too young to get married. Too young to get married, too young to jump into a cistern for sure as well. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Oh no. So she jumped from her bedroom window into this well. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. So she was trying to like probably die from the fall not yeah. just from drowning too well that's true yeah she's just like i'm done i yeah. give up and like i get it it's like she's depressed and she went through a lot and she's very young so it's it's like girl hold out there's so much more yeah. to than this con artist please but yeah so she was she jumped tried to drown herself or fall to her death however she was pulled out of the well before any damage was done she was okay Her family put Violet on a suicide watch and was monitored by a local physician. And when Dr. Greg wasn't visiting the house, the family kept a close eye on Violet to uh, make sure she didn't try anything else. Mm -hmm. Eventually, Violet seemed to get better and asked her father to keys to his writing desk to retrieve paper to write poetry, something she used to do often before the whole marriage debacle. 
Her father obliged, but he was unaware that Violet was not looking for paper. And on the morning of August 18th, 1885, Violet went to the outhouse and shot herself in the chest with her father's handgun. He had forgotten he had his handgun in the back of the writing desk. So upon hearing the gunshot, he ran outside, found his daughter laying on the ground. He carried her into the parlor room of the house where she died 15 minutes later. And the coroner reported uh, saying she shot herself in the heart. But I'd say modern day doctors believe that she shot herself in the lung Mm -hmm. since like it took her 15 to 20 minutes to like die. Uh, But Violet was 22 years old and her suicide note read mad from life's history, swift to death's mystery, glad to be hurled anywhere, anywhere out of this world. Violet. I know a little Victorian sad girl. Yeah. It is unfortunate because men men yeah and also like the, a, a messy society that was gonna like shun her just because she yeah. took a train home by herself after her husband abandoned her exactly but yeah. it's like that doing research for this podcast that's extremely common like a lot of these instances come from just society being like girl you're not married but you're sleeping with this person or you're fr- flirting with that person you can't do that or you know it's just messy societal bullshit mm. But the local paper wrote, actually, before I get into that, the little poem she wrote. Yeah. As a playwright. How do you feel? I mean, it's, it's, it's sad because it rhymes. It's like, um, it's, yeah, hurl. It's, it's, it's interesting that she hurled herself from her window the first time she attempted suicide and she used the word hurled in her yeah. suicide poem. And the, the, the choice to do a suicide poem is bold, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I think to shoot oneself is also just, yeah, it's yeah. intense. And the chest, I think that's also, very, uh, yeah. It's not common, yeah. Yeah, it's I feel like you, oof. Yeah. Not good. Because there's too many chances to, like, fuck it up and just be in a lot of pain. It's yeah, just not good. the pain, yeah. yeah. The local paper wrote, A young lady committed suicide this morning at Old San Diego by shooting herself through the heart with a pistol. Her name was Violet. She was a daughter of Thomas Whaley, one of the pioneers of San Diego. She was married several years since, and the desertion of her husband produced melancholy that led her to destroy herself. So yes, another tragic story about societal pressures. But let's take it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. The story is not just about Violet. There's a lot going on (laughs) in this house and a lot going on on this property. So Thomas Whaley was born, this is Violet's father, Mm -hmm. he was born October 5th, 1823, in New York City. He was one of ten kids. You're part of a big family, yeah? Yes, I'm the youngest of six kids. I mean, that's a lot for today's standards. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But ten kids. Ten. It's nuts. Yeah. I think my grandma's mom was one of, like, twelve and I'm like, Jesus Christ. It's too many. It's too many. <laughs> it's way too many. I don't know how anybody survived any of it. No. And something, I'll be a little bit morbid, but I feel like something I do think about just having a big family, I feel like in a, in a dark moment in my life, I've thought like, oh God, the my the later the later part of my ho- life is going to be filled with a lot of death of people very close to me. <laughs> and I, it's like, it, I'm like, oh God, that's going to really <laughs> suck. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> but in, the other parties, you get to enjoy a lot yeah. of different people. Because I do think, like, I'm... It's just me and my brother, but uh, I do think a lot of people who are only kids and stuff do crave having a big family because you do get a lot of great moments out of that. Yes. And I always think of my family, my dad's side of the family at least, had uh, always like these big Christmases, Christmas mornings, and having 20, 30 people just opening presents and like hanging out and stuff. And it's so much fun. Yeah. It's great. And as a writer and as an artist, I mean, I feel like that's also, it's with so many personalities in one place (laughs) and, and with that, you know, that are, that fight over things that you would, that only like those, those specific people would ever understand. It's very, it can be very like inspiring and exactly interesting. Yes. 10 kids though. Nuts. Too many. So this is Thomas, Violet's father. Yeah. Yeah. In the early 1800s, too, so I can't imagine living conditions in New York City and then having to raise 10 kids in New York City in 1820? No. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> imagine how much it costs to raise your, to just live yourself in New York City, that times 12. I mean... Insane. It's nuts. But uh, he was old enough... When he was old enough, he took over his father's business, relations, whatever that means. I could not figure out what that meant. Hmm. I looked it up, but... I'm assuming he took over his father's business or like when his father retired or passed away or whatever, the people that he did business with, he worked with. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But when the California gold rush began in 1848, Thomas left New York city for San Francisco as many, many people did the money. It's all about the money. He had a successful store in San Francisco. Again, could not tell you what the store was or what he was selling, but it was successful. Mm -hmm. And in 1851, an arson fire burned his store to the ground. Rude. Extremely. (laughs) It's like, come on now. Yeah. He decided to move his business to San Diego and he learned Spanish so he could sell to people native to the area, which... It's a good business move. Mm -hmm. Learn what the people like and sell it. Mm -hmm. In 1853, Thomas married Anna Eloise Delaunay. In 1857, Anna and Thomas built a house in Old Town, San Diego. It was the first brick house in the city. And from the moment the family moved into the new house, they experienced paranormal activity. Mm. Anna and Thomas had six children. Francis... Thomas Jr., Anna, George, Violet, and Corinne. Unfortunately, Thomas Jr. suffered from scarlet fever and died in 1858 at only 18 months old. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate, but also it was 1858, so... Five of six children were healthy. Yeah. After the death of Thomas Jr., Thomas Sr., Anna, and their oldest child, Francis, moved back to San Francisco, because at this point it was just the one kid. Mm-hmm. The following four kids were all born in San Francisco. And then in, this is just like not super informative, but just so you know, most of them happened or were born and things were happening in San Francisco. And then in 1868, the entire family moved back to San Diego into the same house that they built. Interesting. Which is interesting. Yeah. That they had been experiencing paranormal paranormal activity. Yeah. They moved back to the haunted house. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I guess this is a good time to ask you, because I like to ask everybody this. Would you 
rent or buy a haunted house if you knew it was haunted? No, probably not. Yeah. No. Even if they were, like, friendly, like you were saying earlier? Yeah, I don't... It would depend on... I actually feel like I would be more hesitant to uh, be, like, own property where something, like, gruesome had happened. That's fair. Like, I feel like a death in the house would even, uh, like... So, I mean, that's what is kind of... I feel like often that's what is... Yeah, what makes it haunted. The, yeah, yeah. The hauntedness. <laughs> so probably not. That would that would be something I would hesitate. Because I do feel like it's just a kind of, like, person that, like, thinks a lot. And, like, you know, is just, like... Yeah. Sometimes, you know, spends a lot of time, um, like, alone with myself. I do feel like I, again, would just, like, summon some sort of... Like, <laughs> yeah. knowing the story, I would, like, invent ways in my mind for there to be some, some paranormal yeah, yeah, yeah. thing happening. Or, like some remnants of that person's spirit somehow in the house. So probably not. Similarly, like I spent a lot of time alone and you do the cogs start turning and you're like, yeah. am I being watched? Is this what's happening? Yeah. What's that noise? <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. I've never, I mean, aside from in New York, I've never lived in a house that was super old. Yeah. Or anywhere that was super old. So I haven't really had the opportunity to, like, really think too much about who was in my <laughs> space, except for, like, these old the apartments in New York that I've lived in. It's probably better yeah. that way. Yeah. Especially because you live alone, so it's like, I'm always, I have two roommates, they're always, something's always happening, yeah. so it's just a little different. But. but I also kind of feel like that's in New York, I feel like that it's, I feel like in, I feel like I would be more uh, apt to, like... Communicate or find like the the presence of a su- supernatural power mm-hmm. like outside of New York because I feel like New York is so like crowded and busy and loud and like I can see that yeah. the human interaction and just like the the constant yeah like noise and yeah. buzzing about of humans like disrupts the ability yeah, to yeah. like like really hear what's that's going honestly on true, the true. Surface. i like that because i haven't really thought about that in a lot of like the classic hauntings are like footsteps coldness or like uh whispering or just like the classics yeah you wouldn't necessarily notice it when because new york city is so fucking crowded yeah so and i like, mean like my pipes my heater my, it's not like <laughs> there's a man in my pipes every like 45 minutes like, it's <laughs> terrifying so like i probably wouldn't hear it if yeah, there was yeah. something yeah lights flickering you're like oh fuck this yeah the building or yeah, you the... should see my kitchen like it's, it's <laughs> actually the most horrifying thing <laughs> or like i always have uh noise canceling headphones in mm-hmm. always so people yeah. constantly try talking to me and i'm like i can't hear a single thing you're trying to say to me so if a ghost is trying to whisper to me, good luck, because yeah. I can't hear the person next to me talking loudly, let alone Mm-mm. a whisper from some entity that's not there. Yeah, and if you see like a, a something in your like periphery v- vision, like it's probably just a mouse. <laughs> yeah, it's just a rat <laughs> running just by. A rat. But yeah, the, this family was like, hell, let's move back to the, ha- the okay, haunted house. So they're house. back in the brick haunted house yes. in San Diego. The entire family would hear footsteps throughout the house. Better yet, they frequently saw the same ghost time and time again. So a literal apparition, they saw the same one. This was uh, corroborated by passerby, so not even people living in the house, but people just walking by the house, because they too would see a ghost standing in the upstairs window of the house. And they're like, that's not part of the Whaley family. What's going Mm -hmm. on? 
Thomas told the newspaper at the time that he believed the ghost was that of a man named James Yankee Jim Robinson. So, we're going to talk a little bit about Yankee Jim. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of details about him. It was the mid-1800s, and he liked to move around a lot. Mid-1800s, not everything's written down, so we don't have, like, a full understanding of, like, where he moved and stuff. But some historians believe he was born in Canada, while others say New York City. We don't know. What they do know is that Yankee Jim moved to California for the gold rush and became known as a notorious thief. He was arrested several times, but always got out of going to jail because of loopholes in underdeveloped laws. You know, so Amer- he's crafty. Exactly. America was has only been around for like 50 to 80 years at this point. So it's like, they don't have all their laws together, especially mm-hmm. states that haven't even been states yet. Like, yeah, he always got out of shit. And people, he probably knew people up here were probably like, it's probably easier to be really sketchy. When oh, you were yeah. In charge, too. You knew everybody. Yeah. It's like, oh, that guy? Yeah, I stole from him the other day. Yeah. Or... <laughs> yeah, there is always speculation as to why he moved to San, or he moved from San Francisco to San Diego. Either way, he was looking for a place to live and or planning on making an escape to Mexico. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, makes sense. Either way, Yankees Jim stole a rowboat to cross the bay in San Diego to Point Loma. Word got around that a stranger in a red shirt stole a boat. So when Yankee Jim stopped at a ranch, he was asking for food and water. The rancher immediately recognized him and uh, as the wanted man in town. Again, San Diego was not that big. No, no place was that big. So yeah. it's hard to steal without people being like, yeah, I know that guy. He... <laughs> He stole from me last week. Yeah, in a red shirt of all things. <laughs> exactly. <Come> on, <laughs> Gotta wear all black, or at least blend right. in with the crowd. Where's your suspenders? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the rancher quickly grabbed a rusty sword and chased after Yankee Jim. <laughs> it's just a rusty sword. I understand that there Why isn't like, police at this point or whatever, but like, exactly. <laughs> when he caught up, he smashed the sword over Jim's head. And uh, Yankee Jim was unconscious and brought back to the ranch. When he awoke, he was placed under arrest and was given a trial. Originally, he thought the trial was a joke because there was uh, there were men on the jury that chased after Jim and men that also owned the rowboat that he stole. So it's, you know, today juries are peers. Yeah. But... If there's somebody on the jury that... That's your accuser. Exactly. Yeah. It's like conflict of interest. You, that's, yeah. you can't do that. So there were men on this jury that owned the rowboat, but also men who chased after him to catch him. It's like crazy. I understand there's, again, not a lot of people in town to be on the jury. Yeah. And men, women couldn't be on the jury at this time either. So I get it. But the judge during the trial was also drunk throughout the entire trial. As they should be. (laughs) (laughs) The judge claimed Yankee Jim came to San Diego specifically to steal a boat and commit piracy on the high seas. That's what the judge was saying. It's like he's going to steal this rowboat and then take it in the Pacific Ocean to be a pirate. Yeah. 
It seems like a very specific and like dramatic plan. (laughs) It just doesn't make any sense. And because of all this, again, Yankee Jim is like laughing through the entire trial. Mm -hmm. He's like, I've been arrested plenty of times. I've never gone to jail. This is hilarious. This is really fucking stupid. But uh, yeah, he found it amusing and uh, Yankee Jim continued to laugh throughout the entire thing. But after a very short deliberation, the jury recommended death. And for stealing? A, yeah. And not gosh. even successfully stealing. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh. And uh, the judge agreed. He said, you know what? Yankee Jim should be put to death because of this. Oof. The town was so new, there wasn't a jail yet. So Yankee Jim was shackled to a tree for a day awaiting his death. He had to sit outside for a full day before they killed him. It's nuts. Mm. Jim was six foot three and it is very tall. Yankee Jim is tall. Yeah. Especially for the time, like mid 1800s, people were thought to be short, but I did not know that. That's interesting. I did not know that. Six foot three and a red shirt. Yeah. Who are you hiding from? Yeah. He was (laughs) confident. He had gotten away with everything. So he was like. That's true. I can do whatever I want. That's a very common mistake in like criminals in general. It's like once you get away with it the first, second, third time, they're like, I'm untouchable. I can do whatever the hell I want to do. Common mistake. Don't do it. We're giving criminals advice. Don't do it. (laughs) And don't be (laughs) (laughs) 6'3". Yeah, don't be a 6'3 criminal. But because he was so tall, the scaffolding for the hanging wasn't tall enough for him. So... Instead of making the scaffolding higher, they just hanged Yankee Jim, and he str- he was just strangled for thirty minutes because of it. Many people publicly watched him die because again, that was like a hobby for a lot of people. They're like, "Oh, a public execution. Let's bring a picnic." The most fascinating person to watch Yankee Jim die, though, is Tom Whaley. Mm who then built his house on the exact same spot that okay. they killed Yankee Jim. Yikes, okay. Yeah, I was wondering how, I was like, I was like, why does he think that this man is in his house? But this is the yes, that he <laughs> built his brick house on the location mm. where the execution took place. Yankee Jim is not the only unjust murderer on the plot of land before the Whaley's moved in. And I say, I, I've talked about this on the podcast many times. I personally don't believe in uh, the death sentence. And so, and I talk a lot about how I think ghosts are haunting locations because of unjust sentences mm-hmm. or just something unjust is happening. Either yeah. their murderer isn't caught or they were executed for stealing a robo or whatever yeah. the case may be. But. So that's why I think Yankee Jim is haunting the premise. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? I stole a rowboat. Yeah. The owners got the rowboat back because I didn't steal it <laughs> well. And you're going to kill me for this? It's bullshit. And then they strangled him for 30 minutes. Like, it's just <sighs> not good. But again, yeah, he's not the only person. The house sits on what originally was a cemetery in San Diego. And the cemetery is called El Campo Santo. It was established in 1849, and the cemetery today houses 477 bodies, and many of them uh, reside under roads and sidewalks that were built over the cemetery throughout time. 
So it's a little messy. Very messy. So not only is there just that it, it's on top of a cemetery and the place where many executions people, were happening. Execute. Yeah. yeah. So the, it's just it's it's dark ground. <laughs> yes, exactly. Today the uh, cemetery is a very small plot of land. You can still visit it, but it's just tiny. But back in the 1800s, the land was a lot larger and used for executions like we were talking about and just burying bodies. But originally there was a chapel on the premises, but that burnt down two years after the last body was buried in El Campo Santo. So who knows if a church burning down has any impact on the land as well. But the city chose to pave over the area to make sidewalks and roads And there are many buildings today that reside on the land, including the Whaley House. They took down the tombstones. Obviously, they paved over and stuff, and they just took down the tombstones, but left the bodies. And after many petitions, the city decided to paint white crosses on the ground where the tombstones should be. So, at least they're doing something, but it's giving, like, the walk of fame in L.A. (laughs) Yes. It's almost know. worse. It's like, so you're driving over just like, and you're aware that you're driving over it. Right. That's, ew. Driving and walking over it, yeah. for sure, yeah. That's like highly illegal now, right? To to, like, to build over... That's a good question. The, I'm not like sure. That's like... It should be. Sacred land. That's like yeah. protected land, I would assume. Yeah, I wonder like cemeteries, there are like a lot of them, um, they're not all publicly owned cemeteries. There are a lot of privately owned cemeteries as well. So I wonder if like that private institution goes under... what happens to that land that's a good Mm. question of course the little cemetery that still is there is haunted uh watch where you park your car because if it's on top of a burial site it's likely your car alarm will go off by itself which i think is a fun little haunting that you don't hear often there's also a native ghost in 19th century clothing that hovers above the ground You'll see them often if you visit the cemetery. There has also been sightings of a female apparition from the turn of the century as well. And it's also the site of the execution of Antonio Gara in 1852. But we'll talk about him in just a second. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, don't pave over cemeteries. Don't do it. Or don't build your house on a cemetery. No. Like, it's just not a, not good planning. Especially when you know it's haunted because you watched an execution happen. Yeah. Thomas. (laughs) Thomas, get your shit together. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back to talk about Antonio Gara, who was the leader of the Cupeño people in California. The Cupeño used to live 50 miles inland and 50 miles north of Mexico in Southern California. And now the story begins with the first Yuma War, but this is not a war podcast and I am not going to get into the depths of the Yuma War because it is very (laughs) complicated. Just know that like immigrants killed natives and then natives retaliated. So then the U.S. military stepped in and it's just like really messy. And this is all in like 
1850, uh, or that's when a lot of it happened and they got involved. But for our story, what's important is that San Diego County imposed property taxes on Native American tribes and threatened to take the land if the tribes did not pay $600 in property taxes, which is crazy amount of money in the 1800s. Yeah. In 1850. It's nuts. Ugh. And it's even crazier when Native Americans were not legally part of the United States. Yeah, they, should, they weren't voting about it. They, they probably had no... Exactly. They probably didn't get anything out of their, like, taxes. They weren't getting, like... No, not at all. Schools and... <laughs> no, it's fucked. Living in New York City. The Cupeno and other tribes in the area didn't really deal with U.S. money, and they were not considered U.S. citizens. And this is what spurred the Cupeno's involvement in the Yuma War. And Antonio Gara led an attack on Warner's ranch which this ranch had a reputation of treating Native Americans poorly. Warner's Ranch was a trading post and the only trading post between New Mexico and L.A. So it was very popular. It's like everybody stopped there, Mm -hmm. give their horse water, pick up whatever food they needed, whatever. But uh, it was very busy, which is why many Natives worked on the ranch. Because of the way natives were treated, Antonio led a group of natives in a revolt. And long story short, many battles between the natives and settlers later, many battles later, the Gara Gara revolt failed and Antonio Gara was arrested for being like the leader of this revolt. Even though he personally, I don't think killed anybody, he was still the leader. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Antonio was blamed for the murders of four people at the ranch, and on January 12th, 1852, Antonio was brought to the El Campo Santo Cemetery, told to kneel in front of a grave dug for him, and Antonio's last words were, quote, Gentlemen, I ask your pardon for all my offenses and expect yours in return, unquote. The firing squad took aim and killed Antonio Gara, and his body fell into the ready grave. And to this day, people in San Diego gather to honor Antonio Gara and what he did and tried to do for the natives living in the area. Mm-hmm. So it's also just like, I understand at the time that was kind of the punishment for what he did. Yes. But bullshit. Yeah. Like, you are imposing these taxes, you are you're forcing them into a spot that they shouldn't be in and they're defending themselves. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's not cool, but Antonio, Antonio, and they did it right. That's, that's a very dramatic, um, kind of like <clears throat> theatrical way to kill somebody like in front of their graves. They just fall in. It's yeah, yeah, very yeah. like intense. Very much so. And firing squad is also, I, I understand the, uh, When the idea came about, let's do firing squad, I get it because then not one person, the idea is everybody fires and nobody really knows whose bullet is the one that kills the person. Is that the idea kind of behind the firing squad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's like different riffs on it where like they load a gun, but you don't know which gun is loaded and then that's the one that kills it. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the initial idea is that everybody shoots then nobody really is to blame for the person's death. Yeah, the guilt. Exactly. No one's harboring guilt, yeah. So, I don't know. It's intense. Uh, 
Antonio Gara, if you're interested, read more up on him. He's mm-hmm. really fascinating. He uh, is Native American, but I think he is mixed race. I'm not positive. But he spoke, like, four languages. Like, he's just a very fascinating character, and he's really cool. But unfortunately, he died for what he believed in. And, of course, the Whaley House sits on that property where he was executed, where Yankee Jim was executed, where Thomas Jr. died from scarlet fever, where Violet took her own life years later. The house is haunted. Yeah. (laughs) It's just haunted. Yeah. And they were aware of all of this, except for their own children dying before they built it. Right. Yeah, before they built it, they knew for sure Yankee Jim died Mm -hmm. in the area. They knew for sure bodies were buried in the area. So... I don't know. I guess if I guess if Thomas Whaley believed in the system, Thomas Whaley was a successful, wealthy man. He mm-hmm. built his own house. He like had money and he was like I was saying he was called like the pioneer of San Diego, so people respected him. So I wonder if when Yankee Jim was executed, Thomas Whaley was like, "Yeah, get him. He deserved this." You yeah, know what I mean? and pro- so probably he felt like it was like, "Yeah, that was the grave of a criminal and whatever." Like that exactly, isn't... yeah, yeah. He didn't really think twice yeah. about it. Uh, moving back to the house where your own di- kid died from scarlet fever, that seems a little. Yeah, I feel like they would have had the money to like get a different house. Or, yeah, I just wouldn't want to be in that. It's just a lot of like yeah. heaviness for a family, even just for the death of natural causes. It's like exactly. So the Whaley House is actually been named the most haunted house in the United States. Oh wow! So if you want to ever, we'll take a trip to San Diego. Yeah, we'll San Diego. check out <laughs> the most haunted house. Uh, maybe it's haunted because it sits on a graveyard and execution site. And or because many Whaley family members died in the house. Uh, not only the people we talked about, but Anna died in the house in 1913. Francis died in the house in 1914. Lillian died in the house in 1953. So, like, especially because, like, at the time when your family owned a house, the house stayed in the family. Yes. Until there were no other relatives to own the yes. house. So that's why old houses, a lot of them, you'll see haunted because many family members die in the house Mm -hmm. generations of family members but yeah a lot of the kids of anna and thomas died in this house as well whether it's natural causes or what but the parlor room in the house specifically is the hot spot in the house it's the hot spot for paranormal in the house and a parlor room is like a living room right very similar like a like a Den. Yeah, like a great yeah. room. Yeah, it's yeah. like where everybody gathers to like mm-hmm. kiki. Socialize. <laughs> Socialize. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So if you remember, the first Whaley to die in the house was Thomas Jr. as an infant from Scarlet Fever. And uh, today, the baby ghost can be heard crying. Oh. And uh, <laughs> I personally, I've talked about this on the podcast before, there's nothing creepier to me specifically than a child ghost. For sure. I do not want to hear giggling. I no. do not want to hear babies crying. I do not want to hear little footsteps running across the floor. No. Absolutely not. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's Yeah. 
I think it's because babies are so cute, so then they're in, like, a scary contest. It's like, ooh, it's, even, it's, like, even creepier. Yeah. And not to say, like, the baby ghost is trying to be creepy, but, like... Yeah. It's also, like, more tragic, I guess. Yeah. It's, like, I'm, like... Babies shouldn't be dead. They're, like, trapped there forever. They're trapped in this, like, infantile state. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think any barefoot sounds yeah. are creepier in some way, but, yeah. like... The little running of... And they hear that, too. So it's not only baby crying, but it's, like, little foot, footsteps of, like, a toddler or something. like oh, running baby Thomas. Things. Too much, too much. Upstairs in the room Violet used to live, guests will often feel, like, cold spots. Hmm. And, uh, and the cold spots will come and go. It's not, like, a lingering cold spot, but uh, it's, like, as if... Yeah, someone walks by you and, like, a breeze follows. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you walk by and, some like, a breeze follows that person. It's kind of like that. As well as they'll uh, feel, like, a deep sense of sadness in the room. Mm. Uh, some visitors have seen Violet's ghost looming about in the room. So, so Ugh, I feel for her. All she wanted was to get out of that damn house. and Exactly. All she wanted was to have a man. Yeah, now she's a ghost in her parents house <laughs> Violet. now Lillian one of the other kids used to rent out rooms in the house because she lived there I think the longest she died in like the late like 50s or whatever and she would rent out rooms to people so there could be other ho- like ghosts living in the house that aren't part of the family or like mm-hmm. apparitions that people see when they visit could be other people that are from the house uh or from the cemetery even like it doesn't have to be just the whaley family i can't imagine all these ghosts living in the whaley house and the whaley house is like just a two-story like small house and mm-hmm. they just like have to mingle with each other <laughs> like, <do what laughs> but they're. the original ghost that people were seeing was uh jim right yeah yeah, yeah. he's there so he was the og ghost in this house <laughs> he's like this is my house and y'all are just living in it and yeah, he's absolutely. who they were seeing they were seeing jim even before they left the first time before thomas jr even died okay yeah, so jim like, was so yeah he definitely has been around for a long time yeah that's interesting. That's also interesting to think about, like, the idea that you, as a human, are aware that the house... Yes. That people, that there are ghosts in it, and then to become a ghost... Yes, absolutely. It's that, that's, like... So you kind of knew already that that was your, like, inevitable future. It's interesting. Exactly. No, I think that's a interesting point, because we don't really see modern-day ghosts, really... I feel like most ghosts you see are like, oh, they're in like weird clothing or like mm-hmm. clothing that's not like a sweatshirt or <laughs> like jeans or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like this thing. So to be in that moment and to like build the house when they did in the late 1800s and Yankee Jim died like 30 years before, mm-hmm. they would be like, for them, it's a modern day ghost. Like, yeah. it's like, it's, yeah, fascinating. And then mm-hmm. to die at the same house and be like, Hey, I saw you haunting my house earlier, and now we yeah. have to live together in the afterlife. Fascinating, but and it sucks for Violet because I mean, I'm sure that she. I mean, if, if, if I'm sure if she when she was living, she was like, if I'm gonna come back a ghost, I'm gonna come back and haunt that husband <laughs> yes. of hers. If you were to be a ghost in a place, would you haunt like? creep people out or would you be like more like hey but well, yeah I feel like if it was with my family I would like com- want to comfort them I feel like that would so if like it depends on where I end up but definitely yeah I mean there's definitely some people in this in this world that I'm like if I had the opportunity to be fun to you know yeah. mess with them 
Uh, but I feel like I would be a comforting ghost. <laughs> I, I can see you being comforting ghost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love the idea of being like a practical jokester ghost. First, yeah. Yeah, with like not knowing, we know a couple of these ghosts, mm-hmm. but there's also an apparition of a little girl that hangs out in the Wailing House in the dining room, but mm-hmm. nobody really knows who she is. Hmm. They can't place her. So maybe she was buried there, who knows. But the house also used to be part home, part courtroom, mm-hmm. and part theater. So I think once the Whaley's were kind of like moving out or like dwindling down and stuff like that, they did a wing as a courtroom. And then upstairs there was like a theater room. So this was the big house. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a mansion, right. but it is like a it's big house specifically for the 1800s. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Uh, so in the theater room, many have heard music playing when there's no there's no uh, uh, stereos, there's no jukebox, there's like just music coming from nowhere essentially. Uh, specifically vaudeville music is what mm. people will hear in the theater room, which I think is kind of fun. Like yeah. phantom music is always like a fun, catchy yeah. little, like yeah. I'll do a little bop to <laughs> Tim Pan Alley. Yeah. yeah. But in the courtroom, which is still set up today because they do like tours and stuff. Many have seen a woman sitting in the jury box. And then there's also many, many, many reports of people just feeling watched in the courtroom. Ooh. Which probably is my favorite ghost, like, ism. Yeah. Ghostism, being watched. Because being yeah. watched is creepy. Like, it's unnerving. Yeah. Because you don't know if it's real or not. Because people could be watching us. And oh, we absolutely. Just don't know. And I feel, like it's, it, it's, I feel like it's the most intense when it's in an era, which, when you're somewhere where that, like, obviously if you're, like, home alone and you feel that, it's, like, very scary. I guess that's, like, common, though, for a courthouse. It's... That's what the jury's there to do. To They're there to you, sit yeah. and watch. Yeah. yeah. But there have also been many reports that come from outside of the house. Again, it's on a cemetery. But once a woman was passing by the Whaley house and heard another woman crying from inside the house. So she called the police. When the police officer responded to the call and investigated, he saw a woman in the back of the house crying. She was wearing... Uh, turn-of-the-century clothing, so like 1900 clothing, and when the officer asked her like if she was alright, she immediately stopped crying, turned, looked at the officer, smiled at him, and then when the officer flashed his flashlight at the woman, she vanished. Oof. Completely disappeared with the flashlight light. That would be creepy. Yes, the smile, the smile. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. That's part of, like, being a police officer that, like, I don't think I could do. Like, a lot of it, like, going into somebody else's home that you don't know the layout of the home. You don't know who's in the home. You don't, like, you're being called and you're like, someone's, can you do a wellness check? Like, what's happening? And you go in you're like, what am I going to find? You don't know. And then you see a woman just sitting there crying and they don't acknowledge you at first that would it's too much no no i yeah i would not i mean i probably wouldn't want to be a police officer in the first place but well that's a different conversation i yeah that would be really really scary i don't yeah even if you're not a police officer let's say you wake up tonight and there's somebody in the corner of your apartment like sorry (laughs) but if they're like sobbing it'd be like um 
can I help you? Oh, yeah. Can you leave? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's scary. I always think that, though, like, in my apartment, too. I'm um, just, like, I get home really late at night, and even if it's a ghost, if it's a real person, whatever, it's, like, no, I'm crawling out the back staircase, like, the fire escape, and I'm getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. I don't... And then I'm gonna call the police, and if they say nobody's in there, I'm, like, oh, great, it's a ghost. Cool. Yeah. But if... I'm not taking that chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, approach somebody like that. Hi, are you okay? Oh, no, no, no. I used to be so afraid of intruders as a child. Yeah. Like, I was, that was, that was something that really uh, consumed a lot of my thoughts as a kid. Mm-hmm. Was, like, the fear that someone was going to break into our house at night. Yeah. Or that someone was in the house when I was home a lot. And I think it was honestly because of the movie Scream. Oh, yeah. Because I saw it when I was super young. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the feeling that someone could like, get in. Um, and there was this, like, burglar that was going around my... Uh, the, a, a neighborhood, like, a little bit close to my house gotcha. growing up at one point. And he was, like, oddly not doing, like... He was stealing, like, cash from people, but then, like, randomly would just be, like, laying next to people's beds, and they would wake up in the middle of the night and look at, at the floor, and he would be, like, laying there. Okay. And I was, like... That's, that's creepy. So yeah. much worse that's... than, like, honestly, like, being awoken by someone, like, doing something loud and scary. Right. The idea of someone just, like, la- like it's, like, mm-hmm. it was even more terrifying. Um, but I was always extremely... Uh, like, I would always check under my bed, yeah. check my closet. I mean, I feel like I used to do that when I was, like, in college. <laughs> yeah. And I don't that's, that's not... And even, like, in this apartment that I live in now, I often... This is... I'm embarrassed to be admitting this, but I often sleep on my couch. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm just compelled to at night. We I talked about on, this, though. Yeah. Like, it's a common... I feel like a lot of people yeah. like to do that. But yeah. I do secretly think, in my heart of hearts, the reason that I, like, subconsciously do it is because... Where my bed is placed in my apartment, I can't see oh, my yeah. front door. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, like, uh, there's, like, a blind spot from my bed to the rest of the apartment, whereas on my couch, I can see everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like I get this, I have this comfort of, like, if I were to wake up <laughs> and yes. someone were in my apartment, they wouldn't really be able to hide unless they were, like, in my bathroom. Right. So, I, yeah, it makes me feel safe. So, I get if that. there were a ghost in here, and I'm asleep on my couch. I would see them. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they are sitting where I, exactly where I am right now, which I also wouldn't see. But yeah, that's something that I've all, I think I do like to be aware of my surroundings. Yeah, yeah. So to be sneak attacked by someone it's... unexpectedly smiling in a turn of the century <laughs> dress would not be that's pleasant. Terrifying. <sighs> it really is. Like, it's so interesting. Like, I feel like I. Because I I grew up, like, being so skittish and, like, afraid of intruders and, like, Mm -hmm. just, like, this kind of hyper-awareness of it. I do feel like moving to New York was kind of, like, what solved that for myself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I do feel like even when you're, like, alone in your apartment Mm -hmm. and even if you hear something, it's like there's a human above you. (laughs) There's a human to your right and another. like, Like, you're always surrounded even and you're so rarely I have like I, I've rarely lived on quiet block like, I've, I feel like I've always kind of lived in busy-ish streets or areas I've never really lived in a, like kind of like 
remote part of Brooklyn or right. Manhattan. So I feel like I, even when I'm walking on the street late at night, you feel kind of comforted because there's other people. Yeah. There's cars. There's like, whereas I feel like outside of the city, you're, you know, getting on it like, like, I'm from, like, I, yeah. Sometimes I get, get out of your car going into your house in a, on a quiet right. neighborhood yeah, yeah, yeah. subdivision. You're like, petrified or yeah. I, I have been in the past absolutely so yeah i feel like i yeah it's 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 comforting to not have those moments of like yeah <laughs> quiet or dark long hallways with nothing i think at the end. that's a interesting because like i feel like a lot of people that come from middle of nowhere america or like farmland or whatever they always view the city as this like crazy dangerous like whatever case may be but i yeah. think for people who live here or live in big cities in general it's like, I know nothing's going to really happen to me because there's 50 people around me that would yeah. either see what happened, would intervene, would, like, do something. Yeah. Whereas, like, to your point, where you grew up, would you describe it as a suburb or more, like... Definitely a suburb, though I would... Like, I where I grew up, actually, like, there was a church... Like, there was my parents' backyard and there was, like, a church beyond it. Gotcha. Parking lot. Gotcha. With a huge field. Right. In that church where I was at, like, the church parking lot where I did so many sketchy things when right. I was younger. Of course. But, like, that, like, <laughs> that, and, like, randomly on that side of the, our cove is what people in Memphis call it. Not, not a, yeah, they call it a cove. Like, so, like, a cul-de-sac. A cul-de-sac. Or? They call yeah, it a yeah, cove, yeah. randomly. It's, like, the only place I've ever been. They're called, <laughs> like, streets of that cove. But we were the only one on that side of the cove that, like, bu- like butted the church parking lot that right. didn't have a fence oh okay so it always was like which i love yeah. because we could go play in that field yeah. and like go to that church parking lot to like sled the one time every year it snowed <laughs> but like it always freaked me out because i was like oh shit we are the like obvious candidate right to like that's the house you're obviously gonna pick to go into <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. it's the only one that doesn't have a fence um but yeah, I would just, it's, it was suburbs, never like a field. Because that's, I mean, gotcha. talk, going to Scream, that was like, Casey Becker was like in the middle of that cornfield. Like, she yeah, was yeah, not. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even like Sydney's house was like, the the exterior shot is like the, a freaking valley. It's yeah, like she, yeah. They, they like set up that these are like desolate locations. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, that where you don't, can't just like have people around you. Definitely there's like safety in numbers in New York. and Very much so, yeah. And yeah, an apartment yeah. building in general that it's yeah. like comforting i think i agree i like i get creepier or creeped out more when i'm like back home visiting and like my fam, my parents my family where i'm from extreme suburbs like mm-hmm. thousands of people live in this town and stuff such but like still when you're driving in the middle of the night and you pull up to some church parking lot or to somebody's house or whatever it's still like eerie because there's not a lot of noise there is just everybody's asleep already it's yeah. just like very quiet and like eerie versus yeah here which is yeah there's always something fun going on so it's, yeah yeah i agree whaley house whaley's yeah <laughs> outside of all the people that haunt this house there's many people we've talked about there's also ghost pets mm. Uh, apparently a ghost dog and cat have been seen wandering the property. Uh, they're thought to have been the Whaley's family's pets. Because hmm. I guess they had a dog and a cat. But uh, the only 
ghost pet that I've heard of. My grandparents had a dog. Uh, her name was Sugar. She was mm-hmm. a little Westy. She looked to be like 18 years old. Sugar. She was like deaf and blind when she passed away. <laughs> mm-hmm. We love Sugar. But um, when she passed away, my grandpa would like hear the little bell on her necklace oh. or on her uh, collar. Wow. And little things like that. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, it's comforting. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, um, I'm sure Sugar. She wanted to stay there, you know. She's deaf and blind. She don't know where she's going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Know what you know. (laughs) Yeah. Both of my parents' dead dogs are both buried in the houses, in the backyards of houses they don't live in anymore. (laughs) Yes. It's also totally illegal. So I'm like, (laughs) I... But I never felt the presence of either of those dogs, to be honest. (laughs) We did the same thing with our hamster growing up. Mm -hmm. We're like, this hamster's name was Sniffy. My Ooh, brother named it. Provocative name. Uh, Sniff, sn- maybe it was Snuffleupagus, Sniffy for short. I don't remember. <laughs> so long hair teddy bear hamster, the cutest thing in the world. Oh. I loved my hamster. The hamster lived like two and a half years. Anyway, when it finally died, it was like <laughs> buried in her backyard. Um, but yeah, I have not felt the presence of no. her dead hamster. No. <laughs> um, of course, the uh, former owners of the house haunt the Whaley house as well, Thomas and Anna. Thomas is often seen at the top of the stairs wearing pantaloons, a top hat, and a frock coat. He is constantly smoking and will blow smoke in people's faces as they walk by him. Mm. Which, rude as fuck, you're an ass if you're doing Rude that. and like probably like a little bit dangerous. Like what if you're walking on the stairs and... Yeah, he just wants more people to live in the yeah. house. <laughs> Anna is seen downstairs or in the garden. She wears a green dress while drinking tea. Oh, Anna. We love Anna. Both husband and wife have been seen in the parlor room. Visitors often smell a strong perfume in the house, mostly attributed to Anna. Mm. So, yeah, Anna and Thomas, of course, they died in the house. They own the house. They're not, you know, haunted as well. Why not? One night... One of the tour guides was closing up for the night when, while he was setting an alarm, he heard a woman's voice ask why he was there. He immediately ran from the house, setting off the alarm, uh, which he didn't finish setting, of course. And the police responded to the alarm, but when they investigated, the officer saw a woman in green in the parlor. Mm. So... It's not just people who work in the house. It's not people who live in the house. It's just like, it's literally anybody who steps foot in the house. They see something. Something's yeah. happening. And I think that's why it's the most haunted place in America. So it's a ghost to the museum. So it's like a ghost museum now. <laughs> yeah, essentially. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. Wow. And after all of that, Yankee Jim is still the most seen ghost of all of the ghosts that live in this house. And has been seen since the 1800s. So for like 200 plus years, this ghost has, or almost 200 years, this ghost mm. has been haunting this place. Footsteps are very common, are as whispered voices. Which it's like, if you're going to talk to me, talk to me in a real voice. Why yeah. are you whispering? That's like, it's <laughs> don't yeah. whisper. Maybe they're communicating with each other when they whisper. Maybe. That's a... Yeah, trying not to be heard. Larger conversation of, like, what is a ghost and where do they fall within our plane of existence? Yes. Do they think... Do ghosts see us? Or do we... Can we only see ghosts? Like, do ghosts know that we're also in the same house? Mm -hmm. Who knows? 
But if you do know I'm there, don't whisper. Don't be like, no, just talk. Hey, Anderson. <laughs> it's like, just be like, hey, Anderson, what's up? <laughs> like, I'm here. Let's hang. Um, a chandelier was swinging on its own. Oof. The lights turn on and off frequently. There will sometimes be a mist that lingers about the house. It's just a lot of different ghostly endeavors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But would you visit the house? Yeah, I would visit it for sure. Okay. Yeah. But you wouldn't buy it? I would not buy it. (laughs) Not that it's up for sale, but you would not buy it. (laughs) Today, the house is a museum, and you can take a tour uh, next time you're in San Diego. Very cool. We'll take a little... Ghost trip yeah. and check out San Diego's yeah. house. So, final thoughts on this little ghost story: some murder, some, you know. I my thought is, I wonder, like, what about the physical? Because I mean, it, it's this you know, vast uh, cemetery that was built over. But I wonder, like, what about the physical? house itself that is like attracted and like kept all these ghosts in it right whether that's that a, you know a family lived there it's brick and like well, i'm wondering it's like interesting like why this house yeah yeah, yeah. why <clears throat> and also wonder if like the the being there the growing up there like affects you as a person like i wonder if that right. affected violet yeah yeah lived there um to your yeah to that point when you're in violet's room People are saying they feel sad and melancholy and stuff like that. It's like, well, maybe there was a ghost already in that room that gave that presence. And Violet started feeling that more and more and couldn't escape it. Yeah. Because she didn't want to leave her room because she was just (laughs) abandoned by her husband. Yeah, totally. And that added, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also a a comforting way, too, because it's like, you know, I feel like if if you love your family, it's like... You know, to, that if you're all ghosts in this house together till the end of time, that's kind of nice, I guess. That's true. <laughs> so that's kind <laughs> of cute, like, in a way. Um, yeah, because we do talk about, like, oh, you'll see your... Oh, grandma passed away, we'll see her... You know, we'll see her later. We'll see yeah. her when we pass away. And it's like, if you... Whatever you believe in, maybe that is... Go, haunting a house and yeah. you'll hang out with grandma in the house that yeah. <laughs> you'll haunt it together <laughs> <laughs> who knows you know we don't know that's the fun part of it it's mm-hmm. just we just won't know until it happens yeah I hope I'm not stuck with my family as a ghost <laughs> <laughs> that was some of <laughs> would you yeah would you like to haunt a, ho- a house by yourself or with people I think with a few, one or two people would be one fine. I think being by yourself would be isolating, obviously. Um, yeah, and a lot of responsibility. That is, yeah. yeah. Really, you gotta you gotta haunt them yourself. You gotta wake up early to get the hauntings in. You gotta go to yeah. bed late to get the hauntings in. <laughs> you gotta do yeah. it all yourself. I think it would it would be. De- I, I I hope if I do come back to ghosts ever. Um, that I'm not there to kind of like seek retribution or because yeah. of unfinished business. I right. hope I'm, I would wish for myself that I, in my ghost state, um, <laughs> have, have experienced some feeling, a feeling of like, uh, yeah, uh, a little bit settled. You know, right. I hope I'm not uh, unsettled as it's a ghost. It's more like a choice than yeah. like forced to, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because I feel like that is the kind of cliche of a ghost is that they're, uh, in this ghostly state to seek revenge or to make right. to right or wrong. Yeah. Um, 
And I hope that I don't, that that's not what I'm, what I'm up to. I hope that too. Yeah. I hope that for you, but yeah, that won't be for another, you know, how old are you? 21. So 80 years 21. from now. <laughs> yes. 80 years. 80 years from now. Yeah. You better live till 100 and, <laughs> wait, 106. <laughs> well, thank you, Anderson, for joining me. Oh, of course. Thank you for having me. Uh, y'all can follow Haunted Hometowns on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, though I'm trying to post more on TikTok, uh, for photos relating to each episode, guest info, and upcoming news. Anderson, where can they follow you and what you're up to? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess Instagram would be the best place. It's at Anderson in Paris. (laughs) Perfect. Um, That's my Instagram name. That's, yeah, that would be the best place to find me. I tweet, but it's not. I don't like it. That's not, uh, I don't. If you happen to stumble upon I never Twitter. Get, my tweets is... never catch on. I'm always posting typos. <laughs> the worst part of Twitter. Yeah, it's like, yeah. But uh, I'll uh, I'll tag you. And Perfect. And Haunted Hometowns and all that for people. But uh, you have a play coming up. Do you want to talk about it? Or? Yeah, yeah. It's a, you... we're, we're doing this play in this festival um, in Queens um, at the Secret Theater in March. Um, the play is uh, uh, called The Suicides, which sounds connected to our uh, discussion today. <laughs> or Violet. Bit, yeah. But it's not. I would say it's more sexy and sad rather than spooky. Um, right. So, yeah, if, if people are around, there'll be information on my Instagram. And uh, we have a great sound designer who is sitting <laughs> across from me. Um, so, yeah, that's I'm excited for that. No, absolutely. I will... Uh... When the show's coming up, I'll definitely post it, but it's coming up soon. Yeah. Yeah. So it should be really great. I'm excited. Me too. Good. Not only to see that show, of course, but um, to see what the rest of the shows in the festival oh, are yeah. like, giving. Yeah. I'm very excited. You never really know what you're going to get in no, festivals. No. No. You never, that's theater too. You never know how things, you know, you could, you could, things can be as like polished and as perfect. As you can make them, and then with an audience, it might just be like, ooh, this is... (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love the suicides, and I can't wait for it, so... (laughs) Thank you, and uh, if uh, you would like your own personal paranormal experience read on the podcast, email me at hauntedhometownspodcast at gmail.com. Could be anything from a ghost tickling your feet in the middle of the night to watching a snow angel appear in your lawn with no explanation. Let me know. And I will meet y'all back here in a couple weeks because everyone loves a ghost story. The artwork is by Pepe Munoz. Follow him on Instagram at p.e.p.e.munoz, M-U-N-O-Z. The theme song is by Tyre. Follow him on Instagram at queerpopstar and go listen to his music streaming anywhere at T-H-A-I-R. I got my information from Wikipedia, BuzzFeed, San Diego Ghosts, Hidden San Diego, Cool San Diego Sites, and Grunge.com.